Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's Northern Trust. And joining me to break it all down, the coach is here. Coach, good to have you. It's great to have me. I'm working overtime this week on the show, so I'll take that check, and I'll take it right now. Hello, everybody. Good to see you again. The check is in the mail. Keep an eye out for that. Mark Immelman (laughs) is here. Mark, happy uh, Monday evening. Yeah. Hey, Rick. Um, I know that Coach is an esteemed, revered broadcast guy, but if he's earning more than me, I'm going to have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to battle that out later. Um, <laughs> as if I'm in charge of the check. I like the idea that I'm in charge of it. I thought you were. Come on. You're in charge of everything, aren't you? Sure. Yeah. yeah cool, I'm happy to pay you with somebody else's money, whatever, whatever number that you guys want. Um, gentlemen, I don't get to say this often. Tony Finau is victorious. He has won the Northern Trust 1,975 days, but who's counting since his last PGA Tour victory? And Mark, you're out there on a weekly basis, and we saw it on Twitter when he got into a playoff with Cam Smith. Nothing against Cam Smith, but it seems like the entire world was rooting for Tony Finau. I've just, it's just come to me. Vic Tony, not victory. Uh, okay. How about this? How about, uh, instead, of, how about instead of finally, finally? Oh, uh, well, yeah, we go. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, all jokes aside, it, apart from the fact that I was sort of pulling, and, and Cam Smith's a dear friend, kind of pulling against Cam a bit because certain of us had Cam Smith in the way, <laughs> that guy over there. Um, <laughs> uh, it was two great guys in the playoff, awesome story, uh, tremendous tournament all throughout. Uh, I, I've got a hand. I've, I've got to give a nod to the PGA Tour advanced staff for the call they made for the superintendent and these people there at 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 uh, Liberty National. Because if you didn't know, apart from a little water in the fairways, you wouldn't have known mm-hmm. that Hurricane Henri had just rumbled through the area there. So, just 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 winning on all fronts. And, and for my colleagues at CBS, what a way to finish the season! And I did text them. Um, you know, right before the playoff, I'm like, you guys had to stay an extra day. Now, just for added giggles, you get to call another playoff. And there were some funny responses from my colleagues going, yeah, not again. But it was a great show. I thought the pictures, I thought Steve Milton and his crowd just did an awesome job of of showing off New York City, showing off the golf course. And then for Tony to win. And I think we talked about this, Rick. You know, there was all of this, Tony doesn't win. Why doesn't Tony win? Blah, 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 blah. And then he gets into contention. And someone said, well, what a great place to win because it's the top 125 players on the PGA Tour. And man, he stamped he's, he, he stamped that thing emphatically. Played beautifully in the final day. Low score on the day, I believe it was. And then to knock in that six-footer on the final hole in regulation, that was clutch. 
that was absolutely clutch because that's normally the Achilles heel in his game. And just to back that up a little bit, two tee shots, man, that 18th, I've been there. That 18th hole is mean, especially into a wind like they had it. And he just flush drives down the middle of the fairway both times. They're on 18, which is not easy to do. So it spoke to his moxie, spoke to the work he and uh, Boyd Summerays, his coach, have done on the swing and all the decisions they've made, you know, to the fiddling with the putting to get him to hold putts under pressure. It all worked out. And, and that is always heartening for me because I'm a, I'm a teacher and a coach deep down. Yeah, it is. It is really fascinating, Coach, because the only other win on the resume for Tony Finau was obviously the 2016 Puerto Rico Open. It's an opposite field event. It was five years yep. ago. So many close calls since then. So many events that didn't go his way. And you can imagine what the conversation would have been with no offense to... I'm just going to pick the Barbasol, but imagine if he won the Barbasol next. You know what I mean? The idea that he wins a playoff event with one of the strongest fields ever assembled with John Rahm, the number one player in the world at the top, who who everyone was handing him the tournament by coming in with a 30. Like It's just that's the way to do it, and that's the way to silence everybody. Well, you say not to offend the Barbersaw. I I don't even think you need to say that. Everybody that knows golf knows that when you win the Puerto Rico Open, it's obvious obvious that all the other top players are playing somewhere else. So to me, he's never won on the PGA Tour, even though I know that he has. So today, I I always preface this so I don't get yelled on Twitter. Wow. Continental (laughs) United States. Wow. I don't want him in Continental United States. It's, it's It's just the way that it is. And I know that the narrative of he always loses gets old. But so does him top tenning and figuring out ways to lose. And I really thought uh, today when Cam hit it on the right level on 18, that it was going to be another dagger that he was going to make it with Tony watching, hoping at that point for a playoff. But I also noticed a few different things today. I thought that he had a game face on that we don't normally see. I thought he had a look on his face like, you know what? I'm coming out today. I know exactly what I need to do. And he told Amanda afterwards, he said, or whoever interviewed him, he said, I knew I had to shoot 20 under. That was my number. So he went out there. To your point, Rick, when you win for the first time, a first big event, you want to win it. You don't want to have somebody else hit it out of bounds or do this, but you want to win it. And other than him hitting out of bounds in the playoff, he shot a 65. He shot a 30 on the back nine. He parred with that six-foot uh, par putt that Mark talked about on how hard that hole was. Guys melted down on the 18th hole this week. Some guys gave out seven, eight, nine shots on the one hole. Hideki Matsuyama, where are you? But Tony Finau didn't do that. And I think the way that he won and the fact that he won this event could lead him to potentially winning the FedEx Cup, but certainly starting to win at a better clip because of how he got it done. Hey, Coach, pump the brakes just a little bit, okay? On you, what, you, on which say, part? you say you don't want someone to hit it out of bounds for you to win. Let me tell you something, boss. If I'm standing on 18-T in a playoff and the dude that I'm playing against gets out and whips it out of bounds, I'm as happy as a pig in Palestine. I'm, I'm talking about if, if it's like in regulation and all that. It just That that way, yes. But I'm saying the entire 18. I'm talking about the first 18 holes. The 18, you don't want to win it like that. In a playoff, you don't care how you win but he had to make that put on 18 mm-hmm. just to get to 20 under par. So that, to me, was unbelievably huge for today, but I think also moving forward. Rick, the, Rick, uh, quickly, that, that putt that he made on 18, because um, he's always been able to hit. He's a hitter, really. But that putt he made on 18, I think, has broken up a lot of scar tissue 
mm. in Tony Finau's psyche, you know, because mm. there've been so many putts. And we talked about this, Rick, where I said to him, where I said to you, I just want him to start missing a few putts on the high edge. Yes. Give mm -hmm. the ball a chance to roll at the hole. We said this earlier this week. And every putt he hits over this final round went in with some speed. That putt on 18 hole, the 18th hole, it didn't dribble in there. That thing was hit with authority. I think there's uh, there's a little something brewing here that perhaps he can build on. To yeah, your point, real quick, you remember the, the putt he missed in the playoff against Homa at 10 at Riviera? Yeah. That was a putt that he did very similar, maybe not the movement, but very, very similar. And he did kind of baby it up there. He didn't hit it in like today. And that's a big difference. Six feet, two inches on 18. And Mark, let's let's actually go back a little bit further than that because Tony Finau was excellent on his inward nine, but he wasn't perfect. Uh, the drive on 15, which was actually so far left that he got away with it. He was in the adjacent fairway and his approach into 18, which left him in that greenside bunker and having to get up and down for par from there, which he did. And he made par on 15 as well. And what we have seen countless times uh, over the last five, years when Finau has been in contention it's been that one or two shots that has really cost him an event not this Monday he got away with those and otherwise played beautifully yeah he got away with them but what he did is what he played he played golf to its nature and to me golf's nature is again it's at its real bare, bare bones it's a game of recovery and and we are intellectually lazy for expecting these guys in the final round to go out and flush it all day long, drive it in every fairway, hit it in the green in regulation, one putt, shoot 65 and close. It just doesn't happen because golf is just so mercurial and there's so many variables all of the time. So you're going to miss shots. And yeah, you can sort of navigate your way around there. I think of a Tiger Woods and his stinger off the tee, or you think of folks sort of playing their way around um, – Discrep uh, deficiencies but you know if you hit a bad shot you have to recover and he did that whereas in the past Tony would hit the one bad shot and that would cost him and he'd end up one or two back but he did what he had to do and I think he also proved to himself that hold on I don't have to flush to win you know I've just got to put the ball in the right places if I miss I've got to somehow escape with no damage or limited damage and keep myself in the game and he did and um he, he sort of did what he had to do over that final nine holes and 30 sounds great, but I'm glad you brought up the fact that there were a few missed shots because I can't tell you how many young aspirant golfers I teach that have a faulty belief system of what they need to do and what's required to one, make it to the tour, but then two, to win on the tour. There couldn't be anything farther from the truth. Coach can talk to this. PGA Tour Live. You watch feature group coverage for four hours, mm -hmm. you will see all bunches of mayhem and cert some guy's going to sign for 69 and keep himself in the business. So so he did what he had to do today, and, and I'm real psyched for him. The playoff coach, Cam Smith, Tony Finau, um, it's, <laughs> while it was exciting, lacked drama pretty quickly because Cam Smith hits his tee shot. Uh way right and into the water which was very reminiscent of louis ustazen uh was it louis or was it charles who had it was louis, louis. It was louis. Okay. yeah it was louis in, in in new orleans at dessert classic ed camp smith and mark leishman were the beneficiaries of that shot and while i don't like to see playoffs necessarily like that coach it was 
it was kind of nice that that Tony still had work to do, but it was like a mini victory lap. It was like, let's see how this gets into his head. Let's see when he starts to relax a little bit. Let's see. Like it was it was kind of interesting to see everyone's reaction, knowing that it you know should be over for Tony. It rarely happens that way. It rarely happens that you're playing 18 for a second time. And then, you know, by the time you hit that shot from the fairway that he's already hit four. Because he just pitched out, and he's not even close to the green. It certainly, yeah, it certainly uh, helped him uh, be able to relax heading up to the green. But to what Mark said a few minutes ago, when you get to a playoff, especially when you're like Tony Finau, you do not care how you win after you get to the playoff. You don't care if he tops it, out of bounds, whatever. You're like, just give me this W, please. Because I'm quite certain, as nice as he is, and as nice as he's always been about talking after his losses and oh my gosh, at another top four finish today, you have to believe when he goes home and he's by himself or he's with his family that it starts to really irritate and bother him. Cause when you're that good and you're one of the great players on the planet and you're making all this money, eventually the money doesn't matter anymore. It's about what's my legacy. What are people going to think about me? And until today, I know what a lot of people thought about him, but after today, that changes. It all changes. And he's still young enough now to start to build on that legacy. And that's going to be very, very important for him. Well, that legacy likely to continue, Mark, uh, at Whistling Straits because he is now going to move up to the sixth spot in the United States Ryder Cup rankings. He's going to move up to... And firing a big hole in all of these naysayers like <laughs> Kevin Kisner in ahead of Tony Fina. I'm like, I read some of this drivel on social media. And you know what? I actually thank God for COVID over the last 14 days because I was able to read some stuff that made my eyes either spout blood or just made me laugh that my sides split. And that was hard because I was struggling to breathe. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you bring this up. So yeah, Mark, Mark reading through Twitter is like uh, never, never a good thing when he has some free time and he's going to move to the uh, number ninth ranked player in the world. And you know, we talk about this a lot. The the second victory on the PGA Tour, that's kind of that validation win. It probably, you know, especially for someone who goes five years with so many close calls. And there's no telling whether this is going to be a floodgates moment because Mark, he's already putting himself in position so often. You know, maybe things just start to kind of go his way a little bit more. I, I can't imagine. Well, listen, this isn't a hot take. It's not going to take a another 2,000 days for Tony Finau to get another win. <laughs> Careful not. Careful, careful. Now you're sounding like Carl Porter, right? Just just again, <laughs> slow down. Yes, every sensibility says that, hold on, this might be the handbrake dropped for Tony Finau, and now he starts racing. But you never know. Remember, this was the guy who was playing the par three contest at Augusta National, ran, after hitting a hole in one, incidentally, on the par three course, ran, did his ankle in something. It was just maniacal. I mean, I, I can't think of the image without feeling somewhat nauseated is the worst so there's there's just so much that's going on all of the time and we don't really know for sure but if you're reading the tea leaves you think okay well maybe this might be it the one thing i can say for sure is that there's been a little metamorphosis in his golf swing the club is going back a little steeper he's trying to shallow the thing in there a little bit more where he used to hit some pretty hard left starting cuts at one stage when now he looks like he's sort of driving it down the fairway with softer movement. And this to me now, I think that he and Boyd, his coach can look at this going, 
yeah, okay, we found something that's we can sort of galvanize a little bit. And then I think about how many times you've seen Tony Finau with different putters and different putter grips over the last 12 months. Lots, right? Yeah. But now he's found a little something. He missed a few putts early, but he just stuck with it, and now he made stuff that counts. So maybe this also might be that, okay, I've found not the secret, because you never do, but I found the gamer. I've found something that if I hit 10 putts, I'm stacking the odds in my favor. And so from that point of view, I think if you're looking at the tea leaves, you think, well, there's more in the future. But you still never know. I, I've been around countless golfers who I've worked with where they have a win. You're like, okay, here we go. And then they don't win again. It's it's just, it's it's hard. Well, Congratulations to Tony Finau. He wins the 2021 Northern Trust and will now move into uh, the number one spot in the FedEx Cup standings. More on that in just one second. The man that he defeated in a, in a playoff coach, Cam Smith, who entered the day 3-0 and in PGA Tour playoffs. Uh, I played pretty well for the majority of this final round. Obviously, the one really bad, ugly swing in that playoff, but it has been a very good summer. For Cam Smith, we mentioned the victory earlier this year at the Zurich Classic. It, coming into this event, he finished fifth at a WGC event. He finished 10th at the Olympics. Now a runner-up finish here in a very strong field. This is another guy who's seemingly uh, not going away. Continues to put himself on the top of leaderboards. Well, and everything he does is spectacular. Who can forget his last start? He almost broke the all-time PGA Tour record with 93 putts over the course of four days. That is ridiculous. His, this guy right now has got to be recognized as an absolute threat on the PGA Tour. Every time he shows up, whether it's almost shooting a 59, whether it's backing that up today, and for the first time that I can remember, and I know it's happened, but I just can't remember the last time, a guy on the back nine, because of what Tony Finau was doing, shooting that 30, because John Rahm was starting to unravel, Cam Smith was under the radar the entire day. It wasn't until... He made that putt on 17, and he tied Finau at 20 under. The people said, whoa, wait a second, because all the focus on the broadcast, on social media, was all on can John Rahm stay there because he's number one in the world. He had the lead throughout most of the tournament and today, and then he was the guy. Of the three, who would you put your money on with four holes to go that would finish the job? It would have been John Rahm. And so give Cam Smith a lot of credit. He was sandwiched in between those two guys uh, and really got the job done and played well yet again, as he always seems to do. As he always seems to do, Mark, I, I concur with that statement. And you know, I'm just kind of looking through some of his results, and it seems like he just shows up at, at, at big-time events too. You know, you go back to the April Masters, that was a T10. You go back to the November Masters, that was a runner-up finish there. I mean, the Genesis, always a stacked field, that was a fourth-place finish. I mean, he just, he shows up when the best in the world assemble on the same course. That November Masters you talk about, remember, he's the first guy ever to shoot four rounds in the 60s around there, and he didn't win. Yeah. And, and yeah, he's got a lot of game. I guarantee you that Captain Trevor Immelman is going to be riding that boy from the start <laughs> to the finish in the President's Cup at Quail Hollow next year because he's very, very well-rounded. He's, he's sneaky long off the tee. He's a beautiful iron player. He puts like a banshee. We all know that. And I've said this to you before, Rick. All of my experiences with him, he's just a boy. You know, he's just a guy. 
out there on the golf course. He'll be in the midst of competition. And when I'm working, it's the weekend. So these guys, if I'm on your group, you're in contention. And he'll come easing over to me, goes, yeah, got any good jokes lately? Or what's the scoop? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, dude, you like on the 16th hole. Do, <laughs> do you have any good jo- jokes lately, Mark? What, what do you, what do you really respond to with that? I've got like dad jokes and stuff. But he finds it funny. So um, that's, he's got golf wonderfully in perspective. And he just plays the game for what it is. He gets out there. Let me tell you what, if there's anyone who's going to rue that – t-shot on 18 it's cam smith if there's anyone that'll be over this t-shot that t-shot in about five hours that's cam smith too and he'll be right as rain roll around thursday morning at the bmw and i wouldn't be surprised at a golf course no one really knows with good uh, greens he doesn't contend again so uh yeah all sorts of game coming into his own as a player and to coach's point which is very very well founded he's not gonna when he shows up on the practice tee Except for the hair, he doesn't stand out. But let me tell you now, when he shows up and Camp Smith's name gets on the leaderboard, people are going to pay attention because he, he he doesn't necessarily finish all the time, but he's always around the lead. Is that playoff swing enough to show up in Baltimore with a little haircut? Is is the mullet? Is the mullet gone? Is that you know? I've asked him. I asked him about that. And in fact, and Coach did a great job of referencing um, Memphis a couple of weeks ago, where. I was on his group on Saturday afternoon when he's hitting it all over the joint, man. He was driving it so badly, but just holding everything he stood over. And he gets there on 18 and he needs one putt to break the one round record and have 17 putts. And it's all the chatter on the, the broadcast. Well, maybe it was Friday, I can't recall. And he hits on the green, 40 feet, two putts. So I ask him afterwards, I'm like, did you know? And he goes, no, mate. He goes, I wish I had known. I would have missed the green on purpose. And that would have one button. But that's sort of the guy he is, you know. So, that's so in, uh, and then I ask him about the mullet. And he goes, mm-mm. And he goes, you know why I like the mullet? He goes, because kind of my wife doesn't really like it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and he's like, it just, he goes, it doesn't look cool, but it's me now. And so I think this thing's staying for a while. All right. We'll keep an eye on that as well. And uh, Coach John Rahm was yep. in control of this event for four and a half days uh, for 68 holes. And he hit one drive on 15 that ended up in a fairway bunker. It leads to a bogey. He then hits a bad chip on 16, the short, basically drivable par four that everybody's kind of getting up and down from for birdie. And then he makes another bogey on 18 and how quickly we went from, Oh my gosh, John Rahm is in complete control of his game. He's going to run away with another one of these two. Oh my gosh, he's not even going to make the playoff and he's going to finish two shots out of it. It was, I, I don't know if it was as surprising as uh, other people or that what I was reading because I watch probably as much golf as anybody. I mean, I'm obsessive about it, in which sometimes that can be an issue in my own house, speaking of, of wives. Uh, however, uh, here was a guy that if you really watched all four days, he didn't hit it great, but he was in complete control. He was in complete control. And then today he starts <laughs> off and he was the guy that was hitting darts, that was making the, the putts, that had the, the two-shot lead for most of the day. He has no scar tissue because the last two months he's only played a couple of times because of COVID, and every time he comes out and just does fantastically well. He is clearly, to me right now, the best player in the world, head and shoulders above. but. But when his fade doesn't fade and he's on a course that if you don't fade, it's going to go in the water or it's going to be in a bad spot. 
that's why I love this golf course. Because if you're not hitting it perfectly, coming down the stretch of that finish, it's going to hurt you. It's really going to hurt you. And then that dreaded clink on the 16th when the, the chip – oh, you hate that sound as a player. Click. And you know that you hit it way up on the, the face and it goes way long. Uh, there was just a lot of bad mistakes that normally he doesn't have to make or he doesn't make. Um, I don't think he's going to do anything to his confidence. Certainly, he still he finished inside the top five. But this was his tournament to win, and I think he's going to be kicking himself big time that he didn't finish the job and the way that he did not finish the job. Now with John Rahm's uh, failure to win, Mark, 14 weeks in a row, 14 events in a row, the 54-hole leader has failed to convert for victory. Uh, Phil Mickelson at the PGA Championship, the guy that we all thought was going to cough it up, is the last one who converted on his 54-hole lead. And I want to mine into that a little bit, Mark, because it's not just young guys who are trying to get their first win. We've got the number one player in the world who has been the best player on the planet this year also doing it. I I tend to think this is a product of how good everybody else is, how good and deep the tour is, but it's not easy to go out there with 18 holes to go with 25% of the event left and win. It's hard. It really is. And before I address that, I just want to say I, I misspoke. Cam is not married. But he does have a girlfriend. He's just like, yeah, <laughs> it uh, feels like he's married, Mark. It feels yeah, like she doesn't, she doesn't like the mullet, but the fans do. So I'm keeping it. <laughs> um, but to your question, Rick, and it's something that we've talked about a lot on the show, and, and it needs to be recognized and kind of respected a little bit. And that's the chaser's freedom. And just because you're John Rahm and you have the lead, mm. That doesn't mean you're going to win because having that lead, especially if you've led every round like he has, that pressure mounts. Sleeping on the lead is a thing. I've never done it, but I've worked with players who have done that. And I know what it feels like for me, the instructor. You know, when you leave the golf course, your guy's leading. You get there the following morning, your guy's leading. There's just a different pressure about it. And and that pressure accumulates. And People throw the term around pressure, but pressure, if there's a fissure or some sort of a crack in a pipe, it'll blow the pipe. It exposes cracks. That's what pressure does. And it does the same thing in competition. And it really is brought to bear in golf where these guys have essentially a forced timeout after every shot. In, in every other sport, a coach, if he's down, calls time so so-and-so can think about the field goal or I can slow down their momentum or something because they're on this run. You are getting slowed down after every shot. And I don't care how mentally bulletproof you are, that's sometimes time enough just to get into your psyche. And all you need is one because in the end, it shows us two on the leaderboard, but it really was just one. If John Rahm's ball just misses that bunker on... 15, 14, 15. He's probably got nine iron wedge in there, gets himself a birdie look, in the end makes bogey. So that's not a two-stroke swing, but when you're in the heat of the battle like that, one is huge. You know, on a Thursday morning at 7.45 a.m., one's not a big deal. But on Sunday afternoon at 4.45 p.m., one is a big deal. Now, on the card, they're worth the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> but really, in terms of what they do to your your mental approach, your emotions, the the effect is just massive, and so that's why. I mean, like I, I giggled at you guys when you essentially made this a two horse race on Thursday. 
Oh, I'm like, yeah. boys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, I forgot we, about we, that. Yeah, we've sort of casually avoided those quick statements that were made. I'm like, 72 holes is real. There are 72 old tournaments for a reason. And after all of this, all I keep thinking in my head is like, Tiger Woods winning at a 30% clip or whatever he did, and his 54-hole lead conversion rate was off the charts. That is superhuman. Yeah. But remember about Tiger also, he also chased down people a bunch. Because there is a chaser's freedom and there's the leader's pressure and it's real. Tiger spoiled us for sure. Changed our expectations in a way that nobody else can live up to. Uh, FedEx Cup standings hot off the presses. We got another uh, playoff event in just a couple of days because it's Monday evening and I'm now thrown off for the next month. Um, <laughs> and we will have the tour championship in just two weeks. And coach with the victory. Tony Finau has ascended to the top of the FedEx Cup standings. We know how important uh, not only these uh, just two playoff events leading into the Tour Championship are because when you get to the Tour Championship, it's starting strokes now. It matters. Starting at 10 under, 8 under, 7 under, whatever you're going to start at makes a big difference. And Tony Finau has just ascended to the top, and he is now in the number one spot. Yeah, these players need to understand. And, and and you can see it with a few guys out there today, uh, specifically Keith Mitchell getting in at the 70th spot, making three birdies to close it out. These guys understand it's a different ball game now. And this will be the second year. And now it, there's no surprises. Now they know what to expect when they get to Eastlake. And they understand. And you see the commercials. You hear guys like us talk about it all the time, that every shot matters, every, every point matters. Well, look at all the examples that we have. Look at what I just said. Keith Mitchell, without those three made putts, he's packing his bags and going home. Instead, he's staying and just driving down or flying down to, to Maryland. And now these guys that we're talking about, look at how it shifted. Look at Jordan Speed dropping five spots. Think about it. He had it up to nine under par at one point. And today, it was that, the obligatory, well, Jordan Speed finishing it up at 18, two triple <laughs> bogeys. I mean, you look at his card, it's like, what in the world's going on? And it's not just about the money. It's about the points. All these guys in the top 10 have money. It's, it's not about that. But do they want to win 50 million? Yes. Do they want to win the FedEx Cup? Yes. And now you have to finish. So when you see guys like Hideki, who has a triple bogey with three days, he gave away eight or nine shots at the end of every round. And think about what that could do to him as the Masters champion. Those eight shots he gave back could cost him the FedEx Cup. That's how real this is. So these guys understand when they get this week, to Mark's point, this is a course that none of us really know, and they better be laser-focused. They better turn it around very, very quickly because now is the time where you really have to finish high next week because there is no more jockeying for position. It's going to be set after this week, and I love this new way of the playoffs. I love that now it matters that finishing 10th does matter, and they just won't just mail it in anymore. I love that, and I'm ready for it. It is not lost on me, Mark, that the guys who finished first, second, and third at the Northern Trust are first, second, and third in the FedEx Cup standings because they're, the weighting of these points is now so inflated in the playoffs that if you can just get a little hot here, you can set yourself up for a big week at Eastlake. Uh, yeah, and in as much as what this format is criticized by folks in every other sport, I mean... I support a team that, you know, makes it to the playoffs once in a while, the Atlanta Falcons in the NFL. And there was one season that they came in here 
off a decent season and then had a big playoff run and all of a sudden had a shot to win the Super Bowl. That's mm-hmm. sort of how playoff works. Playoffs work. Yes. Thank you, you, you Mark. Thank you. you. Sorry, get yourself in the playoffs and then oh. you have a chance to win the whole shebang. And so it, it's cool. It brings a lot of excitement to the thing. And, you know, I, I want to make mention of the fact, like you talk about one miss putt and what it might cost you or, you know, um, Keith Mitchell, what a story burying that birdie putt on the last to get to the BMW. Who knows? He might ride that to the tour championship, but anything can happen. I mean, yes, Patrick Reed in the hospital with double pneumonia and he's dropped well down the rankings now. And if he doesn't play BMW, a good shot, he drops outside of the 30. So, so it's, it's, it's all so volatile and there's nothing ever etched in stone. And the points being inflated, I think, is a pretty it, – it's a pretty cool deal. Yeah, you would like to recognize the guys that have played well the whole season, but every other sport, you show up in the playoffs and you win the whole big deal. I just want to piggyback. I know we got to get to Kyle. I want to piggyback because that, that's one of my biggest things that I bitch about all the time What Mark just hit on. In every other sport, the hottest team wins the championship when you get to the playoffs. That's how it works. So when people say, oh, the regular season needs to matter more, No. The regular season doesn't matter when you get to the playoffs. It sets up the seeds, but then it doesn't matter anymore. Sorry, get to Kyle. I think the I think the hi. Hello, Hello Kyle. Kyle. <laughs> I think the problem is that in every other sport, the most important events are in the playoffs. And that's not true in golf. And so it just I don't disagree with y'all. I, I agree with Mark. I think that uh I think the way it's set up is actually it makes it fun for fans and for us to follow. I think that if I'm a player, though, that's kind of what I'm arguing of like, wait a second. I just finished in the top 10 and all these events that we say are the most important. We're, you know, what do I get for that? So I, I don't know. That, that's kind of the counter to it. Well, let's look at the bubble. Uh, because, and I don't know, I'm producer Jacob might have this. He has the FedEx Cup standings. He might have the bubble graphic too. But Keith Mitchell did indeed, there it is, yeah, producer Jacob, <laughs> did indeed go on a run and actually moved himself all the way up to 65th, I believe. So he's he's inside. He's moving on. Uh, Matthew Wolf is going to be the true bubble boy, number 71. He's out. Phil Mickelson at 70 is in. But Mark, uh, I think maybe the most noteworthy thing that happened on Monday Monday was Seamus Power, who you see at number 72, missed a 10-foot par putt on 18 to knock himself out of the playoffs. Um, that is the perfect example of every shot matters. It sucks, and it's something I say, you know, in my former life when I was a college coach, I'd say to every young collegian that I ever played for me and, you know, any aspirin professional, I'm like, oh, never forget that every shot makes somebody happy. And every shot makes somebody sad. And and their Seamus Power is going to dinner tonight. is not going to be fun. But then Phil Mickelson, I mean, who knows what vintage red wine he's breaking out because <laughs> the dream season continues, really. And, and you can say, oh, well, does he really care? Yeah, these guys care. These guys want to make their mark. And again, just to revisit the points, the PGA Tour never said that the major championships were the most important thing they recognized by the players as such for the tour, the players and the playoffs are the big events. So for them, they want these guys to be striving for the big thing. And they want someone, some cool story like Mickelson, perhaps to go from 70 to inside the 30 and then do something unbelievable because what a story then. And that, that builds on the fun that Kyle was talking about. So 
yeah, it's just, it's golf. Every, every, every shot will make someone happy and every shot will make someone sad. And you can bet your bank on that. There are some notable names, Coach, who are below that little blue line. Uh, we don't have it on the graphic there, but Bubba Watson finished 81st. Then you look at the graphic, Terrell Hatton, 74th, Matt Fitzpatrick, 73rd, Matthew Wolf, 71st. All will fail to move on to the BMW Championship. Are you surprised, disappointed, shot? Like what what are your what's your reaction to that? Well, no, because right now we're going through a shift. And and I've embraced that shift. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of guys that are drifting out of the PGA Tour and a lot of young cats that are going to be coming in that are really 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 good. The thing that shocked me was either Golf Channel or CBS showing that Matthew Wolf won the year-long scoring record for the Aon. I was like what? I, 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 could not, I, I couldn't believe that. He gets a million dollars because it feels like the entire year he's been off and his game's been off, but we know he played well early on. What I look at when I see a Phil Mickelson at 70 is how bad was his year that he won a major championship that you get 20% more points for, and yet still he's fighting to get to the second leg of the playoffs. That's how bad the rest of his year was. To Mark's point, he could have magic. He could show up on Thursday and just have another PGA Championship type of week. But we're seeing a shift now. And a lot of guys, if they don't recognize it, they're going to lose their PGA Tour cards. Not from these playoffs. But they're going to get shifted out when other guys get shifted in. So they better understand they've got to refocus because it starts again in three weeks. And I think as we continue on, because of this, guys, you're going to see more and more and more top guys playing week one, week two, week three in the fall and not waiting until October and November. They've got to get it started and their managers, their agents, their teams better start talking to them and saying, listen, you got to play more or this is where you're going to be come next August. Yeah. Next super season starts in like three weeks. So be prepared for that. KP, we are going to, uh, we're going to do our odds and ends next, but because you missed out on Finau and Rom and Smith, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, say your piece here. So floor is yours. Yeah. Two things. One, I thought, and you guys probably said this because we talked about it on HQ, Rick, but Rom, or excuse me, Finau, 40 and slip. I didn't expect Finau to win. Uh, Finau winning in this event against this field, against the number one player in the world is, there's a number of ways this could have, uh, like the, the Puerto Rico curse could have ended. This was one of the best ones other than winning a major, right? But this w- this is like, okay, this is a real thing. You know, it's not, uh, it's not, uh, I'm going to offend somebody. It's not the Byron Nelson in May. We offended I, the Barbasol earlier, so it's okay. Course, We're now got of two course events. I, <laughs> of course, I picked my hometown event here. I'll never you, be you offended back. the Barbasol, Rick. Don't, don't bring yeah, don't put it on us. No, no. I it's just a, it's, open. Yeah. it's a reality that the Northern Trust is way more loaded than the Barbasol. The, the, it's not offensive. It just is what it is. So all that to say, Super meaningful, I think. I think that Finau did it against this field with a thirty on the back nine. Shut the door like that. That's just that's awesome. I just I, I kept expecting him to fade, and he kept hitting kind of bad shots, but not fading. He just kept scoring. So, um, you know, I think some of the the him fading on Sundays, like those were those numbers were real. Like he, he went into Data Golf has the their pressure tool. When it going into Sundays over the last five years, he was expected to win. I think it was like 3.8 times. 
based on where he was going into Sunday. He lowered that by the way he played by about a, a win, an expected win. So he he just statistically was not great on Sundays if you look at the overall picture. So for him to go out and do it like that, I just I thought it was awesome. And then real quick on Rom, he made zero putts over five feet on Sunday, which feels impossible. But that was what happened. He made fifteen of his eighteen made putts were under or three feet and in. And he made wow. his wow. longest putt he made was four feet, 10 inches. And he had some bad, he had a bad drive on 15. He had a bad drive on 18 and, and he did, he had some loose shots, bad chip on 16, but the putter, and he said it after his round, I just read his transcript. He said, I, sh- when I hit those loose shots, I should have had a bigger lead to work with. And he's right. He didn't make any putts. And that's, that's, you know, why he led for a tournament for four and a half days and somehow didn't win it. Kyle recite off to me. To win on Sundays, you make putts inside ten feet. To win on Sundays, you make putts inside ten feet. Yeah, I've, I've never. I, I'm say, it, Kyle, say, it. say it, Kyle. I've never not said that. I I, I agree with that. You, right. I mean, you 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 can't Second. make nothing. He made nothing, and he yeah. still almost won. Right. So if you make anything, you you go out and win. But he, I mean, how's he not going to win the next two events? Like he's got to be just a he's got to be like a five to one favorite next week based on the way he's crazy. playing. But you're right, it'll be it'll be plus five or six hundred. That's what it'll be. Yeah, with no cut and yeah, it's mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Uh, okay, gentlemen. Well, we've got our odds and ends on the other side. We've got to talk about uh, the one and done. Oh, actually, sorry, I don't have to do an ad break yet. Let's do the one and done right now. This is gonna be. Very fun because there's been a bit of bit of movement, <laughs> bit of movement, guys. I'm, I'm, you're, you're, you're breaking up. Rick, you're, you're. I've got good news. I've got a little coach. bit of good news for you, coach. I've got a little <laughs> little bit of good news for you, coach. Okay. Uh, you you add two hundred thousand uh, dollars to your total to get you to five point two million. You had Patrick Cantlay. You won the second most money of the week for our one and done, but also. Go ahead and check your Venmo. There should be a there should be a Benjamin there waiting uh, for you from me per our little wager uh, this week. So, congratulations! Oh, oh I, uh, um, oh, oh, you mean that one? Oh, yeah, don't want to show Venmo. No, no, give, show my Venmo. You can. You paid. You you, you, you paid up. You paid up. Indeed, you did. Indeed, don't you did. Don't just show Very my good. Venmo. Feel free to send any amount of money that you would like to that to that account. <laughs> uh coach you can't lay finished let's see he actually had a pretty good sunday i believe i think he finished t11 yeah minus uh, three. Played, yep. yeah played 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 well played all right mm-hmm. did his patrick can't thing <clears throat> yeah you know what that's it we don't talk we don't talk about patrick can't anymore move on <laughs> are you asking me about patrick can't sorry yeah, I, mean, I just i thought you were just going through well he, he didn't sorry. do anything special he, he he did what patrick can does he's boring nobody talked about him so i don't want to talk about him now i just picked him because <laughs> like you i have very few guys left and i'm primed and ready for next year so i don't need to talk about patrick Cantley. he does nothing for me and i need to get my hands on him so i can get him some more endorsements so he can be exciting because he's not he's not and he can be he's got it Whoa. in him if you don't want to talk about him, I don't want to talk about him. Let's go to Jacob. $5.6 million for producer Jacob. He finally waited all the 48 <laughs> events into the super season to use Rory McElroy, and he got 32775 for it. Oh, I, I don't know what you want me to say here. I mean, and there was a, there was a glimmer of hope, uh, <laughs> but there wasn't. 
There never was. <laughs> I don't know Maybe. what we're going for. He falls out of the top 15 in the world for the first time since That's what I was going to say. Like, Unbelievable. What are we doing? Maybe Kyle could help with the description because he also took Rory McIlroy and got 32,775. KP, you're at 8.4 million. There is probably, what did we decide? 3.6 and 1.8, like 5.4 million up at the top left over the final two events, and you are about two million behind. So you're not out of it, but you got to get some big movers here. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I had JT. I was deciding between JT, DJ, and Rory, and I picked one of the. I didn't pick the right guy. Should have picked JT. But I think at the time to defend me and Jacob at the at the beginning of the week, it kind of felt like you know Rory's playing well. He's played great at non majors on the PGA Tour so far this year. So uh, it's a it's a bummer, but it is crazy. He's fallen out of the top 15. That's we can talk about that later on, but that's, uh, you know, 12 straight years. That's pretty wild. Speaks to his longevity. It's been, been impressive. No just, in t- just in time for two big weeks and he'll rectify that. In the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably true. Mark, you are up to 9.2 million. So you're 800,000 clear of Kyle. You are one and a half million off the lead. This week was Harris English. He returns you $48,925. Yeah, he looked really promising early in the event. And I was like, mm, okay, well, this is the, the, the gamble taken because I was sort of planning to use a decky. There was also a bit of a bust there, as Coach had pointed out four, three or four times earlier in the show. Um, so I sort of, I think I sort of skated by with Harris a little bit. I mean, as much as what you can. Now it's just a question of me trying to figure out Hideki or Rory next week. There, there, there is my big challenge. Greg went with uh, Colin Morikawa this week, and when he entered that uh, into the chat, he said, "Ever heard of him?" And he, uh, was very cocky. Brave, he? <laughs> he was very cocky about it on Wednesday that he still had Colin Morikawa to deploy. And KP, it got him a big fat goose egg. Yeah, he could have played uh, me and he would have gotten the same, <laughs> amount of, the same amount of money. That's what do, tough what do you, for Greg. What do you guys think his reaction was when Dottie Pepper said on the broadcast, so according to his team, he really hurt his back in Tokyo has been battling it for the last three. You're like, oh, there's nothing worse than getting inside information after you've made the play. Nothing worse. I also love the, the reports out of the team camp. Like, <laughs> like there was a <laughs> there was a moment on the broadcast where it was uh what's what's Finau's coach's name? Is it Boyd, Boyd. Mark? Summer Hayes. Boyd Summerhays. It's like and and so I forgot who said it, it might have been Ian Baker Finch, but he's like, you know, Boyd Summerhays says uh Finau's just got to keep doing what he's doing. And you're like, what you, like, is he going to say, like, man, he's sucked on Sunday. He's got to get it together. <laughs> the, 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 the reports out of the team camp are the NFL equivalent of best shape of his life. Never had a better offseason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, July 31st, best shape of his life. That's when it matters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Colin Workout ever heard of him? I love that. Comes back to bite him zero dollars. <laughs> I, gentlemen, I don't think I'm going to get uh, much fanfare from this, but I had Cam Smith, who, while he falls short in the playoff, I will happily take my one million dollars and take the lead back from Greg. Now eight hundred thousand dollars clear with two weeks to go. Um, 
I don't pull that straight you out of your rear end. I mean, that was the best rear end I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I'm Cam, to Cam, what did in the next two weeks. Cam Smith hasn't been playing very well at all. Uh, <laughs> so this is, I think this is actually a point for not saving guys like the rest of us have and just riding like whoever. I mean, the Cam Smith is a is obviously a good player. You're not picking, you know, the hundred and tenth guy in the FedEx Cup, but just riding whoever's kind of playing well. I, I think that strategy is pretty interesting. Whenever we play for, mm-hmm. uh, we, we're playing for like half a mil next year, coach of our of our money. <laughs> well, there's gonna be there's gonna be real money bet, and we're gonna have halfway payouts. We're gonna have full season payouts. There's gonna be different things along the way. It's gonna be a lot of fun. But there's really going to be bragging rights because we're actually taking each other's money. I'm going to need. This, yeah. I need more than a week off season to plan out my strategy. I'm I'm already nervous about this. Oh, then I'll send it out this week. I already have it done. <laughs> no, no worries. No worries. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I absolutely love all it. good. Two two weeks to go. Our Memphis. Our Memphis. Uh, we're taking the Memphis payouts and using them from Eastlake. So it's 3.6 million to the winner at Eastlake. So plenty of money still out there on the line. Yes. Rick, I have, I have a quick question um, to Kyle's observation about uh, Cameron playing so well. I'm assuming you got guys better on the rankings than he was leading into the week because he's essentially guaranteed into Eastlake and he's playing really well. So you must have a couple secrets there in the holster for the last two weeks. Look at that smile. It looks like yes. I've got I've got I've got some interesting options. Oh man. Uh, Options that are guaranteed to be playing in Atlanta. Hey, play Phil next week. Play Phil. I have I have two guys uh in the top ten of the FedEx Cup standings right now. This is like poker. All right, cool. Oh my gosh. So so I will have to choose how to deploy them. Do you have Abe? Abe's I'll just tell you who I have. I have I have uh I have Harris English and Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. Okay, Bryson. Bryson. I don't know if Bryson's playable right now. I, I've for eight for nine weeks, I've been ready to use him and I haven't been able to feel comfortable enough to pull the trigger on Bryson. I'm still not comfortable. I'm gonna have to use him next yeah. week or the week after, but I'm not thrilled about it. The other, and then hey, save him for the long drive contest. Uh yeah. I was gonna say, do you guys want a little little inside information, by the way? Speaking of that, yeah, we love yeah. Uh, it. I, I, I had guru. I had I was yes, the voice of the tour, and I had a conversation today. With somebody very, very close to Bryson's new best friend, Kyle Berkshire. And the reports have been that, well, his father. So (laughs) Bryson's been doing a lot of of training with Kyle recently to get ready for this event because he does not want to be beaten. He wants to go there and win. So I think if you're training, if you've ever seen long drivers train, it's crazy, but it's not regular golf and it's not regular tournament golf. So take that with a grain of salt. And I think that's going to affect his game a little bit over the course of the next couple of weeks. I'm just saying, I don't know that, but he's been doing a lot of long drive training for sure. He'll get a nice little warm up for the long drive contest at the Ryder Cup. That'll be great. He'll just use that as a little (laughs) jump, jumping off and go on four. Oh, and yeah, that's what he's done the last three or the last <laughs> know, three team events. Don't that's get true. me started on the Ryder Cup. The U.S. Yeah. is going to get Here, smoked. Here's what we're going to do. I want to talk about this Bryson thing one more second, but we're going to we're going to do it on the other side. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to hear a word from our partners. This is Tony Kornheiser show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And we're back. Uh, Bryce at DeChambeau, Mark. There is zero chance he wins a long drive contest against these guys. <laughs> well, look, part of the long drive thing is getting a ball in the grid, okay? That's true. And, and, and I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this much. For someone who hits the thing as far as what he does, he is surprisingly accurate. And doesn't hit much pattern on the golf ball at all. So who knows? Maybe he catches one because he's going to put balls in play. And he'll give himself a free swing or two at the end of the eight shots or whatever you get, coach. So who knows? Maybe he catches a gust and gets a big hop and stuff, and then he wins. Yeah. You, I, you I, I said I said for the entire two or three years that I was a voice, there's got to be something thrown into this sport that rewards accuracy. Because to me, you can't be a world champion hitting one ball in the grid every round. Coach, we talked about this a year ago, 18 months ago, and KP, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. This is the best time ever for the long drive because there is, you've got a guy like Bryson on tour making all the waves. Never in the history of golf has the general normal fan or whoever been more into launch angle and ball speed and club head metric like this this is the actual perfect time for the long drive competition. I actually like that Bryson is bridging the gap here a little bit because i i think we're going to see some cool stuff well i think i think what you're getting at is i think people traditionally would think oh the long drive contest is for meatheads and the reality is it's kind of for nerds right it's <laughs> yeah. for it's for guys that are deep in the in all, all the stuff you just mentioned i i would love it to coach's point that you know what was so exciting about what bryson did at bay hill when, whenever he drove well, what is it six there six? yeah the fact that it was over water, mm. throw some, throw some water out there, right? <laughs> see, you gotta see, get it. see how much you can cut off the angle. Like <laughs> you can bring some stuff into play that would be, that would be fascinating and maybe make it like the slam dunk contest where, okay, you had one great dunk. Congratulations. You got to do it like two or three times, there you, you know, go. to, to where you gotta, you gotta add up the points over. And I don't know, I'm, I'm talking about things that I know nothing about and coach knows a lot more about, but I think, I think you could, you could spice it up a little bit and make it, make it pretty interesting. There, there's no doubt about it. I actually pitched to have a tour, a, a, a combination event, a tour player with a long drive player. And every time I would take it to somebody, they, Oh no, the tour players will never do it. They'll never do it. They don't want to be embarrassed. I say, like, what about entertainment? What about just showing up and having a good time? When did we stop being able to do that? Because can you imagine Bubba Watson and Kyle Berkshire teaming up? Can you imagine Bryson and Josh, you know, any any of the long drive guys? I think it would be an amazing made-for-TV event. I really, really do. And I yeah, think we'll see that in the future. The tour should have a, a skills weekend. The fact that, that yep. there's no 
all-star type thing. I mean, think about guys shaping shots, Phil trying to hit flops over people and hitting people in the neck. I mean, it would, it would be, it would be awesome. It would be awesome. We watched the freaking Barracuda. We would, we would 10 times more likely to watch that. That would be, that would be incredible. Hey, KP, I just want to see where you went to school, because if you call these long drive guys nerds, geez, man, these are big dudes, okay? Yeah, I know no, they're no, no, no. in the sense at all, but these are, they, they, these are some big human beings. For sure, but I, I think that what I'm saying is it's changed from 25 years ago to where you're more of a, 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 a mathematician now, oh. who obviously is a monster, than just yeah. like a meathead out there trying to swing as hard as you can. No doubt. Yeah, science is definitely a part of it now. This is happening one hour away from me. I guess I have to go see this, right? I got to make the drive to Mesquite and Mesquite. And you go. have you have to go. It, it, <laughs> I, I, I think I may actually be there. I may be going. I may be working it. Right. See, but uh, it's up. an amazing. It, it's made the 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 in Mesquite. It was made for long drive. It's the best grid in the world. In the world, it's amazing, and the backdrop is phenomenal. Correct. I'm playing on the about- CJ Cup. Don't forget the CJ Cup now. Summit Club. Yep. Yeah. I'll be All there. Right. Two weeks in a row. Can we talk <laughs> about the Patrick Reed thing? Uh sure. Is that on the agenda? Actually, yeah, I'm gonna adjust the agenda here. So uh producer Jacob uh crossed it off because we're probably going long, but I'm gonna bring it back. Here we go. Uh <laughs> Todd Lewis. So the, Todd Lewis was the first to to release this. Uh Patrick Reed has been in a Houston area hospital since Friday morning after being diagnosed with bilateral pneumonia. Reed is improving and hopes to be released soon. He will not play Kyle, the BMW championship that, with this week. And he is, um, he, part of his quote says, the good news is my ankle is okay. The bad news is I've been in the hospital with bilateral pneumonia. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't sound great. And I think a, a couple things here, Patrick, Patrick Reed has made the tour championship seven years in a row. It's pretty impressive. I think that we don't, I don't think we use making the tour championship enough as a barometer for having a great season. We don't, we just never reference it or I never reference it. And that's a really, really impressive run. I think Reed in that sense is kind of underrated and he's had, he's had some good finishes at the tour championship or FedEx cup as well. Um, so that's impressive. Uh, he's probably not going to make it this year if he doesn't play the BMW, depending on what everybody else does. But Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say he's 22nd and he's going to get zero points and everybody else around him is going to get points. I think he dropped to 26 or Oh, sorry. I was looking at the, yes, uh, you're right. He is like worse than 22nd now, 26. Yeah. So then the other thing, and this is not to pile on because, and I wouldn't, I'm glad that he's getting better. Obviously you don't want to see anybody that's a, you don't want to see anybody in the hospital for any reason, but the Ryder Cup stuff is going to be super interesting. And I think that you are – I don't think you should be on the team. I don't think you should be a captain's pick. I've been pretty vocal about that over the last however many years. Uh, he's just not great for the team. I think that's fairly obvious. And now you kind of have a reason to not pick him, right? He hasn't been great since the Masters. He's been okay. He's been He's been fine. But to you know, for him to to have the ankle thing, and now he's in the hospital. Like, there's just a bunch of reasons. The the, the reason to not pick him is what he what he's done over the last couple of events, right? In Paris, the every all the fallout from that. 
but now you have some kind of excuses to be like, well, you know, it didn't, it kind of didn't, the season didn't end that well. So I'm, I think they will still pick him, but I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how that plays out. Captain coach, you're now the Ryder cup captain, Patrick Reed on your squad. Can't do it. I, I've, I've been very vocal as well that, that somebody has to be that captain that changes it up because everything the European tour is doing now for their Ryder cup team is nails. They're putting them together and the president's cup does the same thing. Those guys are always very, very close. I don't know what uh, changes we need to make because they've tried everything, but there's got to be a captain. And I don't know if Steve Stricker is that captain because he's friends with so many different people. Uh, and he's still currently playing a lot on the PGA tour as well. Is he going to be the guy that says, you know what? Cause there's probably going to be a, a, a rather significant weight loss when you have that type of an illness and you're in the hospital, you drop a lot of weight and he won't be able to put that back on in time. So physically he won't be at hundred percent and Steve Stricker, his job, is to put the best possible team out there on the golf course. And if you're picking a guy just because you're supposed to, or just because mathematically he's in the top 12, or just because he's been Captain America, that's not being a great captain. That's not being a great captain. It's getting the best players. And right now, Patrick Reed is not one of the best players, and he's also very, very sick. And so to me, I don't believe he should make it, but will Stricker step up? And be the guy that says, no, this will be the year he doesn't. And I don't know if he will. No. Two, two strikes marked selected? for Patrick Reed. What say you? When is the team selected? When are Actually, the I think we decide it's after the BMW championship. So points stop after the BMW. The, the uh, team is selected, I believe, after oh. the tour championship. Okay. Okay. Well, personally, I'd put him on the team. Um, he's just that good a match player. And... I, I think the whole team dynamic sort of runs around what Tiger Woods is going to have to say. And he really has Steve Stricker's ear. And um, so I think in this situation, yeah, even though Tiger might not, well, I'm sure he'll be involved in the room, team room somehow, uh, what Tiger says will sort of go a little bit with Captain Stricker, even though Steve is tougher than you think. You know, my, in, my interactions with him, he's pretty forthright. He's not afraid to get in your face, and I've watched him be like that with players too. So he'll make the tough calls. Me personally, I'd put Reed in the team. Um, you know, he's yeah, he's tough to pair off, but someone will be fine playing alongside Patrick Reed. And you put your issues to bed in the in the team locker room, and when you get on the first tee because you're wearing the red, white, and blue, you get you put your stuff aside, and you go and show me all of the grind that you have because you have some pride. You're representing your country, so drop all of the drama. Case closed. So as a former coach, I'm like, yeah, I'll pick him because he's a good match player, and you guys can sort it out. I, I will find someone for you to play with and go and do your thing. But the Mark, to your is, point, the problem is they can't it, sort it out. They have that, they don't that's have the, the thing. That's what, to sort it out. That's what I was going to ask you, Mark. They they we've had three or four of these now, where all it is is drama on Sunday at the press conference. So at what some point, what are we going to say it has to change? Made for television. What's you worried about Reed? You worried about Reed? What about Bryson and Brooks? Or is that just made for TV? I agree. I don't think Bryson and Brooks should be on the team. That's, I said that also. But they're going to be. They're, they're, you know, uh, I mean, obviously gonna, there's a lot of issues, Mark. There's a lot of issues. My issue with him is I just don't think he's going to be at his highest level. And when his when his highest level wasn't that good this summer, and now physically, it's it's less than two months away. Uh, he's I've in just the come, hospital with pneumonia. I've just come off COVID, and I – Hit 10 golf balls on the range yesterday afternoon, and my heart rate was 138, and I'm supposed to be past this stuff now. So I know what it's like 
and the toll it can take on one. So I had said, look, given when they select the team, if he's not well, that is a natural out for Captain Stricker if indeed he's thinking that way. But if everything was remaining the same, I'd put Reed in the lineup. I just would. Okay. You put red, white, and blue on that guy, and he becomes someone different. He does. Reed had one point in Paris and one point in Royal Melbourne. Okay. Not good. And and, and look through his entire career, then. What's he doing then? Uh, yeah, I mean he's he was good. He he hasn't won a uh, he he hasn't won uh, as a pairing outside of speed. Oh yeah. So put them back, put them back together. Oh yeah, let's see that. Let's watch that. <laughs> yeah, Spieth, Spieth will go for that for Spieth, sure. Spieth, Reed, and then uh, Bryson. Yeah, I love, put them all together. I love the Ryder Cup. <laughs> let's just talk about the Ryder Cup for the next month. For, forget everything else. Before we do that, let's go back to the warm and fuzzies. Uh, except if maybe if you're Victor Hovland, who took an opportunity to smash his putter on Monday, and Coach, he did it with um, not one hole to go, not not two, but like nine. And then he uh, proceeded to actually putt pretty well with, I don't know if this was his wedge <laughs> or his nine iron. I am always impressed at how these guys can do this. I, I I don't know if they're practicing it, if they're just that good at hitting the center of the ball, but like Victor Hovland putts with a wedge better than most recreational or amateur players putt with their putter. First of all, I was very happy because I had a Corey Connors head-to-head bet over Hovland. So when I saw that, I was like, book this. How much would you have hated if Hovland rolls in like three birdies with a wedge and beats you with that? That would have been on brand for me this week with all the other bets that I've lost. Uh, however, however, I think the bigger issue for him, and I know they can make clubs on site exactly to his specifications, but unless I heard the uh, the announcers wrong or unless it was a joke, he also affected three other clubs in his bag and and kind of bent them a little bit because of how hard he hit the bag when he was walking across. So he broke the putter and then three other irons in his bag. Unless it was a joke. Now, if that's the case going forward, he was what plus seven or plus eight. I would have been frustrated too because of what we talked about at the beginning of the show. He understood every drop shot he was making. He was falling further and further. He started at fourteen under par. If he would have shot the same round that Tony Finau would have shot today, which he's very capable of doing, he would have been in the playoff. And instead, he goes absolutely the other way and loses by fourteen shots or fifteen shots. That's crazy in one day. So I'd have been frustrated too, but he's got to get that whole bag fixed now by Thursday. Yeah, coach uses the term on brand. That is just so not on brand for Victor Hovland. All of my experiences with him, he's sort of softly spoken. He's quite demure. You can see there's a fire in his eye, but to to take the club to the, the bag the way he did, that's some angst over there. And I just want to quote Tyrrell Hatton. Uh, you know, Jason Duffner. He goes, all us pro golfers, we psychopaths. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I watch this thing and I can understand the frustration, but dang, to go, I don't ever think that Picasso would go and break every uh, paintbrush in his uh, selection there if he just made a wrong stroke somewhere. Come on. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm afraid to, maybe because I don't get the, the free clubs, KP, but uh, I, I move my ball off the rocks. I'm not going to hit off the rocks. These are my nice clubs. I got to keep them nice. I'll take, the, I'll take the penalty or whatever. I'll kick it back out in the fairway. I'm not going to risk anything to my sticks. Well, I was thinking about how guys have used the same, like Tigers use the same exact same putter for the last, you know, whatever, 25 years. What if what, Victor Hovland <laughs> can't do that now, right? <laughs> nope. Like, he, it's not a, that's not a great one to break. The driver, you, you know, that wears out anyway. But the putter, if you like it, I want to take out another club and beat that one to death. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Happy Monday evening. 
Tony Finau gets it done. He's back in the winner's circle. Um, I have no idea what the schedule is going to look like this week because now we are thrown off. I assume there will be a Monday DFS preview. And I assume there will be a sorry Tuesday DFS preview and a Tuesday Megapod Jacob in the same day. That's correct. We're going to go back. Hey, did you? Did you guys talk about how Finau signed a hat for uh, Rom's son after his round? <laughs> no, that, <laughs> that I didn't know if that tweet. was actually what he was doing. Is that actually what he was doing? <laughs> no chance. You just want that to be true. That was a oh. fun narrative, though. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Uh, all right, so d- uh, double time, double action on Tuesday. Don't miss out. Producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes. Thank you very much. That right there, it's the coach. You can find him on Twitter at the Coach Rules. That's Mark Immelman, who you can find at Mark underscore Immelman, and Kyle Porter, who you can find at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.